Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul. Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul in which we desire to equip the church with sound doctrine and biblical truth. I am your host, Milton Quintanilla, and thank you for joining me today on a new episode of the For Your Soul Podcast. And on today's episode, I have two very special guests. I have uh, Amanda and Myra, who are from Singapore, and they had both come out of the prosperity gospel. And they used to be members of the church pastored by Joseph Prince. And today they are here to share their story with me as to how they got into the prosperity gospel, how they got involved in the church pastored by Joseph Prince, and ultimately what, what led them out. So Amanda and Myra, welcome to the For Your Soul podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey everyone, my name is Amanda and I'm from a tiny red dot Singapore, like Milton has mentioned. Yeah, so just a fun fact, like New York is just um, 9,521 miles apart and yeah, praise God for this technology that we get to do this and also like thankful for this edifying friendship that's centered on the word of God. Amen, thank you. Yeah, so um, I think firstly, thank you for actually inviting us onto this podcast. Um, my name is Myra, and as Milton has actually mentioned earlier, um, I'm from Singapore, and yeah, all the way on the other side of the globe from where Milton is. Yeah, thank God for technology, as yeah. Amanda has mentioned, that you know enabled us to connect. Praise God. Yeah, great. Amen. I love it. All right, so before we get into our main, our main content for today, why don't you guys tell me just a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Yeah, okay. So I actually work. Yeah, I just started working not too long ago. Um, I work in the office. I think that's all you need to know about me for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, office um, job. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, it's good. To yeah, work. yeah. I know, I know something that it was that you had uh, started recently, no? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I started quite recently because um, I just graduated out, you know, from school. And yeah, so uh, Amanda. Awesome. Yeah, Amanda, how about you? I'm a working adult. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> for the past few years. Yeah. That's so good. that's about me. Yeah. That's good. All right. Awesome. All right. So as we will be talking about today, we'll be talking about your journey, right? Into prosperity gospel and the church by Joseph Prince. And for those of you who may be familiar with Joseph Prince, he's a very popular preacher out in Singapore. And personally, when when I first saw Joseph Prince, I remember seeing him on uh, what was it, TVN, right? They start right one of those channels, and you know I had no idea he was from Singapore. I had no idea where his church was. So when I became friends with Amanda and Myra, to, they shared their story with me about how they were in that church, and and I was like, wow, it's it's crazy, like. Like, I feel like a lot of people may not know like much about Joseph Prince, you know, because they just see him on TV. But, you know, but I feel like it's it's different when you're actually there. So going going forward, I just want to ask you guys uh, just concerning the prosperity gospel, because obviously that's something you've been involved with. How would you define the prosperity gospel? 
Yeah, okay, maybe I can start first. So I think um, as a start, I want to make something very clear, okay. which is that the prosperity gospel is not the true gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is opposed to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, where the true gospel focuses on the salvation and of the eternal well-being of souls, the <laughs> prosperity gospel is unhealthily obsessed and preoccupied with health and healing and how to get wealth and, you know, about so-called biblical principles that we can so-called apply to, you know, attempt to get God to give us whatever we want. And so really the prosperity gospel is a lie and it is extremely dangerous because it entirely misses the point of why our Lord Jesus had to die on the cross. In fact, I would even go to say that the prosperity gospel takes one's heart and attention away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The prosperity gospel believers actually forget one very key thing that the Bible teaches, um, which is that we live in a world where all things, uh, including our health, our wealth, our status um, and whatnot, um, are actually temporary and passing away, right? Mm. Um, that mm -hmm. we are but pilgrims and sojourners and exiles on this earth. We read this in First Peter 2, chap uh, chapter 2, verse 11, mm -hmm. um, and that we have no lasting city here on earth, but we seek the city that is to come. That's Hebrews 13, verse 14, right? Because the hope that we have as Christians isn't that God will always heal our physical bodies or, you know, repair our relationships um, with our loved ones or, you know, grant us wealth and status. I mean, if that's the Christian's hope, um, how perishable that is and, you know, how sad that is. But really, the hope that we have as Christians is an imperishable one. Um, it's a hope that allows us to, you know, really look heavenward to a time when we can finally see Christ face to face again. And, um, you know, this is really why the Christian can have hope, you know, even in the yeah. bleakest hour, no matter what, you know, mm. you know, really goes on here on earth. Because we know that, uh, you know, come what may, you know, really, this life is not it. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. not about living our best life now. And really, yeah. we look forward to the glorious day um, when we can see Christ face to face again for eternity and yeah praise God so that's from me <laughs> I love it <laughs> that's an awesome definition Amanda do you have a definition oh yes thanks Myra for sharing yeah so you know that the prosperity gospel never saves you know such theology is devoid mm. of biblical truth and plus it really has no power to save it makes wow. the gospel all about yourself, about you, and the abundant life, right? It's just reduced to empty materialism. And, you know, like often um, prosperity preachers quote, for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I love that And verse, yes. by his wounds, mm -hmm. yeah, we are healed. Isaiah 53, oh, yeah. 5, to claim that Jesus' death purchased riches and health for us. However, when we read that in context, right, you know, like these verses actually clearly refer mm. to spiritual riches and healing of spiritual mm -hmm. sickness, which is sin in Christ. That's yeah, true. so, you know, like Matthew 1, 21 tells us that Jesus came to save people from their sins and right. not poverty or diseases. Yeah, you know, like all spiritual blessings in Christ are actually flipped to all material blessings in Christ. Yeah, in essence, right, it actually worships the creation the mm -hmm. blessing which is actually the blessings of God over the creator yeah so simply to put it right it actually exchanges the truth for a lie mm -hmm. and it exchanges the riches of Christ himself for the shallow pleasures of men yeah so it's actually really important that we get the gospel right the message of the prosperity gospel isn't biblical and it actually leads people to a different Christ yeah not that there's another 
but that the Christ that they preach, right, is actually not the Jesus of the Bible. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we were to take away the things and attributes that we don't like of Jesus and add to Jesus of what we like, we're actually left with an idol that we have fashioned for ourselves and not the Jesus of the Bible, you know, except that we call this Jesus that we have customized for ourselves. Yeah. Right. So, actually, the, the question remains that is this Jesus we profess to believe in is the Jesus of the Bible? Mm. Yeah. So, that's my definition of prosperity gospel. Yeah, both both very very good definitions. Yeah, definitely hit it right on on the head, you know. And and it's crazy because one thing I was thinking about was that like I feel like the prosperity gospel for you know us who have at one point you know we bought into that stuff and now we've come out. You know, we we see it for what it is. We know it's false. We know you know we can see right through it. And it's crazy because like even the world. I feel like they, when they think of Christianity, they think of televangelists. They think of like the Benny Hins and the Kenneth Copelands and yes, whatever. Yes, that you know, is so sad. That, you know, because that is the face of Christianity, but it's not what it's biblical a, Christianity is about at all. And yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's so true. And it's funny because like I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine, right? And uh, we were talking about how how a lot of people are, people in this case, I'm talking namely Christians, right, who Right. Let's say they don't go to seminary or Bible school and that's fine. Right. That's not that's not for everybody. But how do they get educated? They turn on TBN. They turn on Daystar. They, they read books like Your Best Life Now. And in a sense, that's almost that almost becomes like their way of education, you know, like a seminary to them. And unfortunately, it's with the wrong things. Yeah, sad. It, it, it is really sad. And it's crazy because like even if it's crazy how the world can see right through it, yet people in church thousands listen to it every every weekend why would you say that so many people in church are, are drawn to this I, I feel like okay coming from where I'm from I guess mm-hmm. um it's a first world country and it's kind of like a first world country problem um don't get me wrong mm. I, I get that you know this um prosperity gospel has also you know entered into third world countries but I mean if we think about it um you know the culture and the society around us we really see that it, it promotes materialism and you know all sorts of you know, prosperity in that sense. And that's really the condition of the human heart to even begin with. I think regardless whether, you know, which type of country, whether it's first world or third world that we are from, there's always that natural inclination towards prosperity that, mm-hmm. you know, we are we find ourselves inclined towards. And now um, when, you know, how, what the prosperity gospel provides is really some form of, you know, you, you can get your spiritual dose and you feel good about that. Hey, you know, I'm spiritual and, you know, this so-called God that, um, you know, we have created and fashioned with our hands actually endorses the 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 covetous covetousness of the human heart and and yeah that's really you know um why i see that the prosperity mm. gospel is gaining so much you know foothold in in the mo- modern day society and yeah 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 you know what it makes me think about satan and, and eve right in the garden right where he tempts her with the fruit and as the bible says like the fruit it looked good to her and i feel like that's kind of like the same thing to regarding the prosperity gospels that like it's this very feel-good type of message where it's like oh you can have this you can have that and you can have your best life now and of course you know nobody wants to be poor nor sick right all you got to do is name it and claim it and I feel like that's why you know even now it's like the prosperity gospel is still it's still pretty big 
Yeah, it is, unfortunately. And um, I, I think the trend is really that um, it's growing, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, there are some, you know, people who actually do, you know, statistics, you know, they, they look at the statistics and there's surveys um, that's done extensively. And I think the results are really worrying. Um, yeah. I think you mentioned this before as well, right? Okay. Newton? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely looked at several statistics, including the one I know I mentioned to you about uh, moral therapeutic deism, which... Uh, I wish I had the stats on me, but yeah, it was, it was pretty alarming to see like, you know, how, how many people are basically like, you know, falling for these kinds of messages. And, and, and the worst part is that they see it as to them, that's biblical Christianity. When in reality, we know it's not, it's just, it's false. It's, it's deception. All right. So thank you for sharing your definitions. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you came to know the Lord? Oh yeah. I can share first. Yeah, yeah, so for my conversion, mm-hmm. yeah. So I briefly heard about Jesus uh, when I was young. Yeah, that how he was the savior of the world. So okay. I really never really understood like what that means. Yeah, because I I don't I didn't seek God. I mean back then when mm. I was in my teenage years. Yeah. So you know, um when I get to know my brother who actually accepted Christ, yeah. So I was like, Are you serious? And you know, like <laughs> kind of mocking him secretly in my heart. Yeah. So I was quite wow. bad back mm. then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was till then um, when I started to attend um, the church that's actually pastored by Joseph Prince. Actually, that was actually my first church. So I'd never been to any church before and I don't actually know the standard of a real biblical church. Yeah, so to me, right, that was actually a real church to me because, you know, like it's labeled as a church. Yeah, so to me, technically, mm-hmm. it is a, a real church. Yeah, so back then, I didn't know that there's like false doctrine and also like the true gospel. Yeah, wow. so... Yeah, it was actually till then that um, one of um, the sermon that um, JP has uh, preached, like he actually talked about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, so that he says that you should have no other God before me. Yeah, mm-hmm. so actually this, um, this sermon itself actually woke me up. Yeah, because previously back then, uh, before I actually came to church, I was actually di- deeply involved like in um, other f- worshipping other false gods, like wow. uh, Hinduism and like Buddhism. Yeah, so I don't really like know like what they are yeah but because I was actually being introduced like through a, through a colleague of my ex-colleague of mine back then yeah so that was how I actually get into like worshipping like all the false gods yeah before coming to church yeah so even like I attended um, the church that's actually pastored by Joseph Prince I was also still visiting like temples and all yeah so I would say that I have a very busy Sunday yeah because I will go to the Hindu temple I'll go to the Chinese temple and I'll go to the church like on, a, on like three places in one day yeah, so that was like how blinded I was back then. Like, you know, looking back, it's like just, just so ridiculous. Like, um, yeah, I just buy into this thing that because my, this ex-colleague actually told me that, um, you know, like there's mm-hmm. only one God. Yeah, but they come in different forms. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, like I hold, you know, I hold that statement, right? I felt that it makes so much sense. Yeah, because like I see like, you know, Buddha statue, I see like Hindu statue, you know. Yeah, to right, me, it's, yeah. Hey, yeah, that's true. Uh. There's only one God, but they come in different forms. And I really like buy into a story, you know, because like I think back then or just like in a way like idolizing her. Yeah, because like um, we back then we were actually working in the banking industry. It was quite competitive. Like. Yeah. So like how I see that she was always top in sales. Yeah, it just makes me wonder like, hey, what is her success formula? Yeah, so I actually approached her and asked her, hey, actually, how, how do you do it? And she was sharing with me like, oh, how she worshiped, you know, this uh, Hindu God, you know, that bring her prosperity. You know, back then I was like, wow, I want that too as well. You know, like 
yeah, it's actually the condition of the heart that's not right at all. Yeah, that makes me want to yearn for more material things. Yeah, mm. of health, eh, of wealth. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I begin like to seek out like other false gods that can actually like give me this kind of um um so called wealth and like assurance that you know things will always go smooth in my life. So mm. I really like bought into that. Yeah, so um, it was only then. Ironic, uh, ironically, she's also the same friend that actually brought me to the church that's actually pastored by Joseph Prince. Yeah, so even though she was the one that introduced me other false gods, she was also the same person that brought me to church. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so there was one, um, yeah, there was um, one of the sermon that JP preaches, like um, on the Ten Commandments that really woke me up because he says that like, no, you, have, you shall have no other gods before me that, that this verse itself, because I was actually deep in my idolatry worship that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somehow it just woke me up that eh, oh yeah, all these are idols. Like what what am what am I? Why am I still like, you know, visiting the temples and worshiping them? Right. Yeah. So actually that, that was my turning point that I actually dropped off like all other idolatry worship and mm-hmm. just go to church alone. Yeah. Wow. You know, and it goes to show like, well, thank you for sharing, you know, it goes to show like like how like even though you were still you know, in a church that taught false doctrine, but, you know, God and his providence, you know, he used that sermon to bring you out. Yeah. Amen. Of those other gods. And then later on, you know, God would eventually bring you out of that, of, you know, the, the church pastor by Joseph Prince altogether. So yeah, it goes yeah. to show that even like, you know, for believers, even right now, you know, they may be involved in, you know, a prosperity type of church. And I believe, that there are some who are truly saved, but it's not because of, you know, the pastor, the theology, but it's because of, you know, God through the regeneration of the whole, of the Holy spirit. And, you know, at the right time, he'll bring them out. Yeah. I think it's really, despite the false teachings, you know, mm-hmm. God in his sovereignty can still work good out of, out of, you know, deception mm-hmm. in that sense. So uh, I think it's really amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so mm-hmm. yeah. So actually that's it, right? I mean, I mean, we are talking about the conversion story. Yeah, yeah, so that's it. I wouldn't dare to say that I was actually converted back then. I mean, since I did not really receive the true gospel. Okay. Yeah, but instead, I'm actually buying into this prosperity gospel. Right. With an extreme focus on health and wealth. Yeah, which actually never saves anyone to begin with. Like. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. And sin and repentance was actually hardly preached. And like, how mm. would I come to repentance not knowing what I should repent of? Yeah, but I was actually on a blind faith of just merely knowing Jesus. Yeah, so that was back then. Yeah, so I thank God for his mercy that kept me alive for the past nine to 10 years while I was still in the church that's actually pastored by Joseph Prince. Wow. Yeah, so when I came to know of the truth, right, I did question my salvation. And it was such a sobering thought that, you know, all along I professed to be a Christian, but mm-hmm. I was never one. Yeah, but I really praise God. Like, he actually unveiled the truth to me. Yeah, I'm really tr- truly grateful for that. I love it. Thank you. So, what about Myra? How, how did you yeah. come to the Lord? Yeah, so I actually first got involved um, with this church um, when a dear friend of mine actually introduced me to, to church to begin with. Um, I, think, uh, I, I think tapping on what Amanda actually shared earlier on, mm-hmm. um, Singapore is a very diverse country. Um, so that's really the backdrop that we're working with. And we have people from really all sorts of different religion. We have, um, you know, Christianity, Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, Catholicism, you name it, we have it. It's really diverse, very, very diverse country. And 
Yeah, so actually I was born in a Taoist and Buddhist family. Um, I was raised um, that way. So when I was young, I actually went to temples and, and such. And I had um, little to no exposure to the Bible, um, nor to anything about Christianity. Yeah, um, my family is very conservative and very traditional. Um, they're mm-hmm. quite strict. So I think for me to even swing towards Christianity was not an easy thing um, for my family to actually accept. Yeah, so I, I think the ironic thing is really <laughs> um, because, yeah, nobody would really know what true Christianity is. Uh, I think from, you know, this kind of environment that we actually come from, the first contact point that you have with some organization that claims to be a church you right. won't really yeah you won't really question what they are actually teaching you won't really question you know you, you don't even know that you know there are things such as false teachings and false teachers around mm-hmm. so um, you kind of just take on everything and take in everything you know that's being fed to you so everything that I knew about Christianity was what you know the first the very first church that I attended actually presented to me and that church was church pastored by Joseph Prince so um, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was younger, all I knew about Christianity, it was associated with the names Jesus and Mary. And that's really <laughs> all that I knew about Christianity when I was younger. So yeah, um, how did I get into church in the first place? Um, it's really because um, growing up, uh, I've had, you know, troubles with relationships. And, you know, I was a very broken hearted girl. And mm-hmm. um, my friend actually, you know, she she had a heart for me. Uh, I have to say that, you know, she was really mm-hmm. a friend that stuck by me through and through. And um, ultimately, you know, she really, I, I feel like she, she did it with uh, good intentions. Yeah, with, with good intentions at heart. And, you know, she really wanted, you know, me to be, you know, in a better place. Yeah, that's when she introduced me to that church. And, um, you know, I was brokenhearted. And I think the frame of, you know, my heart back then was really that I just wanted to try, you know, whatever means that's possible to make myself feel better. So it's, it's still self-seeking. Mm. See, I just wanted to make myself feel better. I didn't care, you know, what it was about. I just wanted to try every single thing that was, you know, possible to make myself feel better. And that's um, precisely why, you know, seeker sensitivity and men-centered gospel that mm-hmm. you know that church actually preachers really appealed to me a lot it appealed to me so much yeah because mm-hmm. it's you know all about like oh you know Jesus binds up the broken hearted you know you just have to you know throw off throw throw forward some very yeah. generic you know statements and you know oh like you know he's hugging you right now imagine that you know Jesus is just holding onto your hand you know he's comforting you you know it's really this kind of things that was being told to me and you know yeah of course you know um, when you're really down and out those were really comforting words I guess mm-hmm. to listen to and you don't you just don't care you know how true it was or whether it's biblical or you know um, whatsoever you just kind of want to feel that sort of comfort yeah and so that's kind of how i actually got involved with that church in the first place Hmm. wow that's very interesting and i can totally relate to like what you said about how like you know you were drawn by by this church because you know it it made you feel good because i remember as for me as a new believer i kind of had that same mentality as well like okay now that i am a christian i felt like i wouldn't really struggle like in my life you know, not to say that I'll be free from all my problems, but to me, I kind of like, it was like, you know, I came to Christ in order to like find relief from my problems, you know, like kind of like an escape. But yeah. then over yeah. time, over time, I recognized like, no, if anything, the struggles of life, you know, everything we face is is part that God uses 
God uses them to to really shape our faith. And there's really like no sense of relief or, or denial. Like, well, of course, apart from like, you know, trusting in God and his promises, but in the sense of like, you know, what the prosperity, you know, gospel teaches that, you know, you can just decree and declare healing or, you know, create your own reality, right? Speaking into existence and and, and it'll happen. Yeah. You know? Through like your all, positive confessions. Positive confessions. I, I hear that all the time. And yeah, it's crazy. I feel like for a lot of people, it's like they they do it because they want to like escape. You know? Yeah, that's so new agey though. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of combining new age, you know, what a new age teaches. I think Doreen Virtue has, you know, quite a lot of materials on this, or, you know, how combining new Correct, age with yeah. Christianity and calling that Christianity, but that's not true biblical Christianity. So kind of how do you get out, you know, of that? of that deception yeah yeah and anything yeah and with new age is definitely something that that's definitely something that's crept into the church as well like in so many ways especially with like um the enneagram i know we're not really talking about new age stuff in detail today obviously but you know that's something that has crept into the church that i don't know by the way have you got did you guys have had to deal with the enneagram at the joseph prince's church i think it's not um something that it's it's not something that's advocated, but definitely we do see um people that we know who are from that church. Um and also people from other churches as well that have, you know, recently gotten very involved with um the Enneagram. Um definitely not as popular yet um here in Singapore as okay. compared to, you know, in the US. But right. um definitely we do see because um I do know of some friends who are actually leaders in um the previous church that I actually was from, um, okay. who actually dabbled into Enneagram. Um yeah, I think it's quite it's quite alarming because if we know anything about the Enneagram at all, it's actually a combination of, you know, all sorts of different, you know, ideas taken from different religions that, you know, actually form the foundation of this uh, model. And I think the very concerning thing is that it actually goes against the doctrine of original sin because it believes right. that people are inherently good. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you know anything from the book of Romans, especially, you know, all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The the pre, you know, the presupposition is that, uh, not presupposition, but the basic understanding is that, you know, we are evil and we're not good. We have sinned, we're sinners and um, we're inherently bad. It's not that we're inherently good. So um, really the Enneagram flies, you know, against biblical Christianity. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not something that Christians should be dabbling with. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. All right. So you guys have very interesting stories so far. How, by the way, how did you guys, how did you guys meet? Like, was that after you guys were like, like immediately after you guys were, you know, quote unquote converted or, or when did you meet? I mean, how, how did me and Myra met? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. I met her through serving in the youth ministry. So back then um, we were youth leaders. Yeah. Serving the um, secondary school youth, their age um, 13 mm-hmm. to 17 years old. So we were actually like um, be with them uh, through a okay. course of like four or five years. Yeah, so wow. actually, yeah. So, but along the way, I mean, there are also leaders that were actually um, um, drop out of serving. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. but the gist of it is actually we will be with them for, for, for a course of four to five years. Yeah. So that's how I actually met Myra through serving. Yeah, yeah. so I think eventually she left. Yeah, so, right. and we did, in a way, like, we did not really contact each other after that, after she left. Yeah, so mm. we actually reconnected um, again 
through one of the uh, Insta story that she posted on a Bible school. I, I think that's another story for a later oh. on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's the background of it. Yeah, so we can share much more later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Cool, cool. So I'm looking at, so I'm looking at this church here. Uh, this is uh, the church pastor by Joseph Prince called New Creation Church. And uh, based on what I see here through <laughs> through Google, it's, it's a pretty big building. Like how many, how many people? That's a mall. That's a mall. It's not a church building. It's a mall and the church is inside the mall. <laughs> what? Are you serious? So this is, so it's a mall with the church included? Correct. And this building solely belongs to New Creation Church. They actually bought this building over. Yep. It says, yeah, New Creation Church. With a lot of money. Star Vista for $300 million. Wow. Yeah, wow. A lot, a lot of offerings. So, <laughs> like, in terms of, like, attendance-wise, like, how many people can fit into an auditorium here? Um, okay, we actually run four services um, a day on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think per service, the auditorium can hold up to 5,000. Yeah, so, like, on a, week, on a weekly mm-hmm. Sunday attendance, we can have up to, like, Twenty-five to 30,000 people that's actually coming for the services. Um, they actually yeah. have alternative satellite locations as well. There are many of them. So they okay. actually have locations in cinemas, in other ballrooms, in other buildings. So this is, you know, the main location. So basically, um, worship and the preaching goes live from the building mm-hmm. that you were looking at just now. Right. Um, the mall, uh, the building, the, the auditorium in the mall that you were looking at just now. And yeah. um. Yeah, for the other locations, the, those are like satellite locations that are dispersed, you know, not really all over Singapore, but um, they're pretty dispersed so that, you know, it's made more accessible to people mm-hmm. who are living in Singapore. Um, Singapore is a very small country, but still, um, you know, convenience yeah. is very appreciated. So, so yes, yeah. So that's not just it. There, there are other locations as well. Okay. And how about like, you know, since we've, we've gone through the, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, are they starting to open up again or how, how are they doing services? Mm, I would say we actually went online like last year. Yeah, actually okay. things get better um, in Singapore like at the start of this year. So I think they actually slowly open up like to 250 packs. Yeah, okay. like you can actually... You can actually attend physically in in the more in the auditorium itself. So it's actually open up to leaders, I, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I wasn't attending. Yeah, but I, I received their emails update as well. Yeah, so that was about it. Then okay. coming for this month, yeah, I think mm-hmm. the um COVID cases actually went up. So I think the church went online again. Yeah, so without any physical um gathering. Wow. Yeah, for the for for this month. Yep. Oh okay. All right. So regarding new creation church and the first time you heard joseph prince speak like what were your first impressions about um, joseph prince <laughs> yeah um, first... maybe i could yeah maybe i could share that because um yeah mm-hmm. so actually i didn't you know i didn't straight away go into you know the service that there was you know preaching you know that had joseph prince preaching um in i was actually first brought into the youth youth ministry so so in in that church there's like the main service and then there's like the youth services that actually run on on the weekends on saturdays or friday nights or 
um, sometimes on Sundays as well, depending on which arm of the youth ministry you're actually involved in. Actually, to be very, very honest, the first impression that I had was mm-hmm. not good. Yeah, so I think a little backstory I actually came from a place um, whereby I used to go to clubs because um, I was empty inside. Um, I used to drink and I used to party. And yeah, so um, <laughs> I think when I first stepped into this church, it, it was really um, a youth service. Um, it was really a youth service. <laughs> I was like, wow, isn't this where I was just at last night, last Friday night? <laughs> because, I mean, um, I was quite shocked coming from quite a conservative family in a way. Mm-hmm. As, because, I, I, I mean, like, I, I do go to party, yes, but I think my family and, you know, mm-hmm. my upbringing was still considered pretty conservative. So, if I had any, you know, idea of what, you know, a church or Christianity is like, it wasn't like that. Yeah, I couldn't understand why there was party lights, there was strobe lights, and there was like, you know, those dark room and really loud music and all. And um, it was like, um, you know, really like those EDM type of like clubbing style, even though it was the Pilling Hill song uh, predominantly and battle and okay. elevation. Yeah. So um, I, I remember this thing very distinctly because um, you, when I was brought into the service, my friend actually told me, um, you know, just raise your hands up and put it before you like you are receiving a gift. So um, I couldn't understand why people were raising up their hands um, in the way that I was asked to during um, worship. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, or why I was even told to actually raise my hands up that way. Um, yeah, but I kind of just felt like I didn't want to be rude, so I just followed. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like I was in a club just um, without the alcohol. <laughs> and that wow. was not how church was supposed to be like um, to me. Yeah, and subsequently, um, I attended the main services. And, um, okay. you know, that's, that's basically, you know, Joseph Prince only preaches um, in the main services. And um, I actually had a lot of questions initially. But in that church, um, unfortunately, questions are very much discouraged. It will not be put up front, you know, oh, oh, like, don't ask, you know, I don't encourage questions. But it's the way that they deal with questions that are being asked that, you know, tells a lot about how questions are actually not encouraged there. Whenever you have a question and you ask a a question to your leaders or even to your friends and your, um, you know, just your CG mates around you, um, the most common answer is really um, they'll point you to Joseph Prince's FAQ. So um, if you go on his website, you'll see like a list of frequently asked questions and his answers to these questions. And um, they will actually point you to what hmm. um, Pastor Prince said on um, Sunday, um, two Sundays ago, three Sundays ago, a sun- right. like one of the Sundays, like a few years ago, they remember, you know, what he says and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really all about Joseph Prince. Now, you know, on hindsight, I realized this and um um, they don't point you to the bible they don't wrestle with you you know like the questions you have hey you you know have this question i don't have that answer to the question but how about let's find out you know about this question you know in the bible together um there's Mm. no such things you know that they had in place um yeah and it's it's really like they you know talk about joseph prince more than they do talk about jesus about the bible about god and um i think one of the very scary thing is that um Community um, is very tight. Uh, I would say pretty tight there. Well, if you get into the so-called inner circle, they are definitely mm, okay. outcasts and, and all. Yeah, but I would say that if you, yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, managed to get into the so-called inner circle. And that's why I 
you know, say that community sure. is pretty tight, um, but, you know, some people may not agree with me on that. It really depends on your experience. Mm. And I think it was a lot of factors um, that really kept me there. Comfortable sermons to hear. Um, you don't really have to think much. You just have to, you know, slip into your seat and just, you know, it, it's kind of like you're a consumer. You consume the, the, the sermon as if it's like a good, you know, like it's okay. very consumerist. Right. And, you know, um, it's, it's, it's easy and comfortable to hear, you you know, you hear about all this thing about love and grace. You you hear nothing about sin of repentance, you know, mm-hmm. um, nothing of that sort. So it's all very comfortable, very lovey-dovey and, you know, the community as well and the friendships. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, yeah. So because of all these things, I actually decided to, you know, chart all the questions that I've had of Christianity aside. I never saw the importance of reading the Bible. It seems that they do not think that reading the Bible was important as well. Mm. Um, yeah, nothing's you know taught or said about hermeneutics at all. Um, the only Bible study tip that was ever shared was to see Jesus in the scriptures. Um, like okay, um, that's really vague and open to interpretation. So people have all sorts of funny ways to so-called see Jesus in the scriptures. So. Maybe mm-hmm. I could share like one of the worst encounter that I had. <laughs> yeah. Brace yourself, brace yourself. So yeah, so someone that I knew, I mean, no offense to her at all. And I, you know, I pray that, you know, if she ever hears this, um, that she would, you know, um learn that, you know, that's actually not the way to read the Bible. Yeah. Um, so basically I have a friend who actually shared from the book of Esther. Um, I'm sure most of us will be familiar with that book. Um, chapter 7, verse mm-hmm. 10, where it reads, So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then yeah. the wrath of the king abated. I mean, this is a very straightforward passage and it's not difficult to understand at all. If we know anything about the book of Esther, we'll know that Haman is the bad guy who kind of plotted the good guy Mordecai's death, right? Mm-hmm. So eventually Haman's evil plan actually flopped and um, he did something that greatly displeased the king uh, Ahasuerus, um, yes. who actually ordered for you know, this evil Haman to be hanged on the gallows. Um, the moral of the story is simple. An evil man who actually planned to do evil by spreading a net to trap the righteous man ends up laying in wait for his own blood and setting an ambush for his own life. Um, mm-hmm. That's quoting from Proverbs 1, right? But what this person um, shared was totally off. It was nothing like that. And it was so very wrong because um, she actually shared about how Haman was a picture of Jesus and Mordecai Mm. was a picture of you and I and King Ahasuerus was a picture of God the Father. So going back to Esther 7 verse 10, she actually says that Haman, who she sees as Jesus, actually died in the place of Mordecai, who she sees to be you and I. Mm -hmm. That the wrath of the king, who she sees as God the Father, actually abated. So that's so twisted on so many points because firstly, that's not how we see Jesus in the scriptures at Mm -hmm. all. Um, Secondly, that is not what the passage is talking about at all. And thirdly, this is so wrong because Jesus Mm -hmm. was the righteous one who died for us and we're the unrighteous one. and it's really this undeserving, you know, that Jesus mm-hmm. actually died on the cross. He knew no sin, but yet he became sin for us that we might be made righteous in him. And Haman is really no type, nor shadow, nor picture of Christ in any way, shape or form at all. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, sadly, this is pretty common in the church that I actually came from. People were seeing things that are not supposed to be seen in the scriptures. And, you know, I do not say this from a place where I'm judging them, you know, or whatsoever. But, you know, really, um, you know, I have been there and I have done that. I was once doing all these things and, you know, seeing all sorts of things that I want to see that my, my mm. evil and my covetous heart wanted to see in the scriptures, you know, with no regard at all for proper hermeneutics. Um, but there came a time when, you know, God really opened up my eyes, the eyes of my heart and showed me how, you know, this along with many other things that I had been believing about Christianity was wrong, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I repented. And, and really, this is not to condemn anyone um, that's hearing this right now, um, but really my prayer you know, for anyone who is really stuck with unhealthy beliefs, you know, that doctrines, theology and hermeneutics are not important, um, to really see the importance of reading the scriptures aright and really um, mm-hmm. there is hope. Yeah, there is hope if we repent, right? It's kind of like if we know that, you know, we have been doing something wrong, we can always go to our parents, you know, apologize. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. Um, and kind of start afresh, right? Um, but if we know that we have been wrong and yet we refuse to apologize or to change our way and then, um, you know, we presume upon the kindness of our parents, you know, you know, how much more God, right? Um, yeah. You know, dare we presume on his kindness, his grace and his patience toward us, um, mm-hmm. really far be it from us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's so, so, so true. Um, let me ask you this question. Obviously, the Bible does talk about foreshadows and, and types, right? We think of, of course, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. We think of was the one oh the one where there's a snake that's lifted high on a, on a pole right i forgot which story was where, where exactly was that how do you distinguish between the, the biblical foreshadows and types of christ compared to to that the story of haman yeah, I think that's actually quite a big topic in itself. But I think to mm-hmm. really summarize, because that's not the main, you know, um, focus of this okay. discussion. Right. Um, it's really that you know you was you will realize that the scriptures, because if we reference, you know, Old Testament and New Testament, usually it will be laid out pretty clearly that yeah. you know that is a foreshadow or that is a type. Um, mm-hmm. in that sense, because you know we can't just you know go around seeing things everywhere like this number means that that number means that yeah. you know this <laughs> color means this and then you kind of string it up all together this name means that and then you kind of string it up all together and you build a whole new doctrine um, from the scriptures ironically right um, with your own hands and um, that's really something that is not it's, it's not of God yeah it's not of God mm. <laughs> I have no other words to to you know yeah um, give it yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a very subjective reading of, of the text and I think in, in this case it's a very like an analogical reading of the scriptures. So like, you know, they'll read the text and whatever, you know, whatever symbol, person, thing, whatever, you know, that's in the text, they'll formulate it, formulate it into their own, their own meaning. And it's dangerous because obviously number one, it twists the scriptures and number two, they can, you can totally create a new, a, a new, a new teaching. And if it sounds good, Guess what? You can you can write books, you can preach sermons, and guess what? You'll you'll be a you'll be a hit, you know? Yeah, I think the question you know we really want to ask ourselves is who is the authority? Is the scriptures, you know, the authority? Yes, or are we authority. the authority? Right. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, it 
the scriptures, if we know anything about the word of God, it is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. You know, it's not something that, you know, we can just twist it to our own liking, add to it, subtract from it, and then spin a whole new doctrine out of it. You know what? You know, mm. the scriptures are objective truths. You know, it's not subjective. The moment we try to, you know, go, go to the path of saying like, what does this mean to me? Because, you know, the, the danger with that is what does it mean to me might not be what it means to you. So, you know, we, we can all have subjective interpretations, you know, in that sense. And that's really not, um, that's really not what Christianity and proper hermeneutics will actually, you know, uh, encourage. Yeah. Mm. And that's really, um, I would say it's damning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we definitely need you know, biblical truths like never before, as the Bible says, you know, that there will be false teachers in the last days. And, you know, we're seeing that now more than ever. And, and of course, now more than ever, we need to stand up for the truth. And, you know, we, and we pray that for anybody who listens to this episode, right, who are involved in prosperity gospel, that that God would continue to open their eyes to to the truth. And yeah, and, you know, we don't judge anybody. Because we guess what we we were there at one point as as well, and yeah, we know that definitely. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna stop right here for this first portion of our episode, and in the next episode, we'll pick up where we left off, where you guys will share a little bit more about like how deep you were in the prosperity gospel. You know, when when was what was the turning point for you to make you know for you to realize that it was false, and then we'll highlight some of like some of the 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 teachings that are being taught at new creation church all right so thank you for listening to the first soul podcast uh, if you like what you hear be sure to follow us on our listening platforms as well as subscribe to our youtube channel if you are on apple Podcasts, please give the first soul podcast five stars and a room review because that really helps the podcast and once again uh myra and amanda i appreciate the two of you for for joining me today and look forward to picking up this this discussion next time all right so that being said god bless you and stay tuned for our next episode thanks Milton.